0: Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's word.
1: John chapter 18, we ended up towards the end of the chapter last week, and let's, let's pick it up, and let's pray before we get into it. Father, again, we, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the salvation that we have. We thank you for the fact that you would go to the cross for us, that you would put up with all the stuff that we're going to read about tonight just so that we could come into a relationship with you. Lord, you're so gracious to us. You're so good. The whole idea that you planned this from the very beginning just many times blows me away um, to know that this is where this was gonna lead. We start in the Garden of Eden with two people and it was going, going to lead to you going to a cross. And again, Lord, I, I can't understand, I can't even fathom the kind of love that you you have towards me and towards all of us. But whenever your love is spoken about and, and there's an act that's specifically pointed to, it's always this, Lord, you're going to the cross. And so, Lord, we thank you for it. And as we're reading about it, God, we pray that you'd help us to get some kind of understanding of uh, what's going on here. And Lord, to be walking out of here thankful for the things that you've done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it says then, last week we were going through and talking about Jesus' trial before Annas and then his trial before Caiaphas. And we ended up down in verse 32. Well, let's do verse 31 and 32. It says, then Pilate said to him, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. So what's happened here is Jesus has appeared before Annas. He has a trial before him after Annas. And Annas, you know, the, the, the guys under Annas, one of the guys punches Jesus. And then he goes before Caiaphas. And the trial before Caiaphas isn't really mentioned here. But then after Caiaphas comes Pilate. They take him in before Pilate. And the reason that they take him in there, and this is one of the things that we ended last, with last week, is because the Jews didn't have the right to pass out the death penalty at this point in their history. It had been taken away from them by the Romans. And that, ha- that had happened about 6 or 7 AD. Archelaus, um, Herod Archelaus was dethroned and the Sanhedrin was restricted and the Jews no longer had the right of self-government at that point, and the Romans, that's when Pilate and guys like him started coming in. It wasn't Pilate at that point, but uh, the procurators started coming in and taking over at that point. And that was a big deal to the Jews. And last, last week we talked about this. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament that says that the scepter would not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes, and it was a promise that the right to self-government, the kingship of the tribe of Judah and the men that came from the line of David would continue until Messiah came. Well, this is six or seven AD and the Jews don't know that Messiah is there. And so when that happens, Josephus lets us know that out in the streets of, of the cities, that the Pharisees and the priests went out and they ripped their clothes And they began to mourn because Messiah had not come and the scepter had departed from Judah. And what they didn't know was that up in Nazareth was a little boy, about six or seven years old, and it was Jesus and he was hanging out in his dad's carpenter shop, and Messiah had come. They just didn't realize it. In any case, by the time that they get to the time that, that Jesus is going to be put to death, they don't have the ability to do it. And what John says here is the reason that this was all done was so that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signified by, signifying by what death he would die. So what death did Jesus say that he was gonna die by? Yeah, it's crucifixion. And the the thing about crucifixion is this is not something that the Jews did. It was specifically something that the law frowned upon. You didn't hang a man on a tree. And so, so when you're talking about Jesus going to the cross, that would be something that was Roman. And so the Jews can't have the death penalty at the point when Messiah comes. If they did, the, the what the Jews would be doing is stoning Jesus to death. And that's how he would have died. That is not what's prophesied. What's prophesied is that Jesus goes to the cross, that Messiah would end up dying on a cross. And so that's why John makes that point. One of the things that I was talking about last week was the fact that when you see Jesus um, talking to the guys that he's talking to, whether, whether it's Annas or whether it's Caiaphas or whether it's Herod, well, actually he didn't talk to Herod at all, or whether it's Pilate, when you see Jesus talking to them with the Jews, he's not saying a whole lot. In fact, the, you know, in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, it says like, that Jesus went like a lamb to the slaughter. So like a lamb before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth is what it says in Isaiah 53. And so that's what you see with Jesus and the Jews unless they're about to blow it. And when they're about to blow it, Jesus opens his mouth and takes care of the situation so that he actually goes to the cross. And I wanted to show you that. Turn over to Matthew chapter 26. Starting in verse 57, it says, And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none, But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, I'm able to to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest and arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Now, it looks pretty straightforward, but what's happening there is you got, a, you got a situation where the witnesses that are coming to condemn Jesus aren't telling a straight story. And so they keep contradicting each other. And so finally they get two guys who are gonna come in and say that you know, he was going to destroy the temple and raise it up again. And we know what Jesus was talking about that, at that point. He was talking about the temple of his body and that he was gonna raise it up in three days. In any case, Caiaphas, when he's talking to Jesus, understands that what these guys are saying isn't significant enough to put Jesus to death. And so what he does is he puts Jesus under oath, so to speak, and asks him, tell us, actually he, com- he commands him, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God, okay? Now, Messiah means something. So when you go through the Old Testament, you look at, uh, at who Messiah is. He was going to be the savior of his people. We've talked about Isaiah chapter 53 and in Isaiah chapter 53, he dies for the people. That is not a passage that the Jews like to look at. The passages that the Jews like to look at was a Messiah who was going to come and conquer and save the people of Israel from, uh, from oppression, uh, specifically that he was going to bring in the kingdom age in which Israel was going to be top nation on the planet. The, actually, the capital of the world was going to be in Jerusalem. Those are the passages that they liked. That's the Messiah that they wanted. It's one of the reasons that a lot of the people turned away from Jesus when he wouldn't take kingship. And so they're they're looking for that kind of guy. And so that's what Messiah meant to these guys. But we know that there was two comings of the Messiah. The first time Jesus comes, he comes to suffer. The second time he comes, he's gonna come to rule and reign. And so all of those passages are gonna be fulfilled. He's just here to suffer at this point. And so they wanna know, have you said that you're the Messiah? And the reason that Caiaphas is asking this is because he knows he has said it. Okay? And so he wants to get it out of Jesus's mouth that he has called himself the Messiah. The second thing that he asks is, are you the son of God? And that's a big fat deal to the Jews because they did not believe necessarily that Messiah was going to be God in the flesh, even though there's scriptures that flat out say that. And, and so one of them we use at Christmas uh, all the time, uh, behold, unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government, or, um, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the, the Everlasting Father, literally Father of Eternity, the Prince of Peace. And then it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And that's talking about the Messiah. So the Bible in the Old Testament flat out talk, talks about the fact that Messiah was going to be God in the flesh. Well, they didn't like that. And they weren't paying attention to those verses. And when Jesus would say that he was the son of God, the Jews would get up in arms about the whole thing. And the reason is because they had a different understanding of son of God as Gentiles necessarily would. And so a lot of times when, when, I, when I'm talking to people and I say, who do you think Jesus is? And they say, well, I think, I think that Jesus is a, is a good man. I think that he's a prophet. I think that he's a good moral teacher but I don't believe that he's God, right? So they'll say things like that. Or I don't believe, you know, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, but I don't believe he's God. And they're not understanding exactly what the whole idea of the son of God means. So this is, this is how I always explain it to people. This is how the Jews took this. And so if a, if a cat has a son, what is it? It's a cat. If a dog has a son, what is it? It's a dog. If a human has a son, what is it? It's a human. If God has a son, what is it? The son has to have the nature of the father. And so if you're calling yourself the son of God, and especially Jesus called himself monogenes, the only begotten son of God. I am the only begotten son of God. And so when Jesus would say things like that, he was, he was saying he's unique. He's different. Now, I'm a son of God, and some of you are sons of God, and some of you are daughters of God, but we're sons and daughters of God in a different way than Jesus is. So I'm, I'm not son of God by nature. I am a sinner by nature, and what God has done is he's adopted me into his family, and now because I'm adopted into his family, I get all the rights and privileges of a son, but we're sons and daughters by adoption. We're not sons and daughters by nature. In other words, you weren't born as a son or a daughter of God in the sense that Jesus is talking about here. And so this is what Caiaphas is trying to pin Jesus down on. And all Jesus has to do is say nothing. So all he's gotta do. All he's gotta do is say nothing. He doesn't have to to respond. He doesn't have to incriminate himself. We talked about this last week. All he's got to do is say nothing, and he doesn't. And look at what he says next. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven and what he's what he again is uh, positioning himself as is the uh, as is, is as the son of man and this is actually out of the book of Daniel there's a passage in the book of Daniel where it talks about the son of man and the kingdom that's given to him and the fact that he comes from the throne of god when you get to the book of revelation you see something similar that jesus literally comes out of the light that's at the throne of God. You see a lamb as though it had been slain and he's coming out of the light. And that's, he's, he's talking about his position in heaven. And so they think he's nothing but a man. And so the words that Jesus are, is saying here, hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power. That's the idea of I've, I've got, you know I'm, I'm God's right hand, his right arm, so to speak. You see this all, the, all through the Old Testament, God's arm bringing salvation. I'm at the right hand of the power and I'm gonna be coming on the clouds of heaven. And that's something that again, you see in the Old Testament. A lot of times when we're in the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14 talks about God coming to the earth and touching down on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives splits in two. It doesn't say Messiah in that passage. It says Yahweh does this in that passage. And so when you're looking at what Jesus is claiming here, he's not only claiming, yes, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the son of God. He takes it a couple of steps further and talks about the fact you're gonna see me when you appear before God in heaven. I'm gonna be there, Bucky, is what what he's doing. And then the high priest tears his clothes saying he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? And that was his problem. The witnesses weren't working out. So we don't need the witnesses anymore. We have it out of his his mouth. Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, he's deserving of death. So if Jesus isn't the Messiah, if Jesus isn't the son of God, if Jesus isn't sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven, is that blasphemy? If he says he is? If I said that, would that be blasphemy? Yes, absolutely and i would deserve death according to jewish law the deal with jesus though is that it's real and he's standing before them as a messiah and the son of god, and god in god human form and it's not blasphemy at that point but the point that i want to make make sure that you know is that when jesus went to the cross he didn't went to go to the cross because he was framed by false witnesses The false witnesses weren't going to get him there. The reason he goes to the cross is for blasphemy because he said he was the son of God and God in the flesh. That's why he went to the cross. And that's what happens there. And so again, when you look at this, Caiaphas is in danger of losing the position of being able to put Jesus to death. And what Jesus does is steps in and makes sure that it's done because he needs to go to the cross. And so who's in control in, in that situation? And the one who's in control is Jesus. It's not Caiaphas. And we're going to see the same thing when we're looking at Pilate in this passage. Pilate um, talks with Jesus, and then he finds out that Jesus is from Galilee, and he ends up sending him to Herod, who was a Tetrarch over Galilee. So he sends him to Herod, and when uh, and this is the Herod that that killed off John the Baptist. And when Jesus gets before Herod, um, Herod wanted to see if Jesus would do a miracle when he stands before Herod. He doesn't say a word to the guy, just keeps his mouth shut. And again, it's you know that's that's normally uh, what was going on. So in any case, Jesus is going to the cross as it, as it was spoken by him, and Jesus is uh, specifically going to the cross because it was prophesied in the Old Testament. So, you take him, again verse 31, and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. In Acts two twenty-three, it says him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. And that is when Peter is talking to the Jewish people in Acts chapter two, right after the giving of the Holy Spirit, he points to them and he says, you are guilty of the death of Messiah because you took him and you gave him over into lawless hands and he was put to death by these people. Again, Jesus had to be killed by Gentiles for the scripture to be fulfilled. I was talking last week about Psalm 22. And I'm not gonna go through Psalm 22 and and do the whole thing, but it starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends in Hebrew with the phrase, into your hands I commit my spirit. And those those are some of the first and last words that Jesus had on the cross. One of the things that you need to understand about the Bible is that there weren't chapters and verses. So there was no Psalm 22 at the time that, uh, Jesus was living, there, th- there was a Psalm, what we would call Psalm 22. It just didn't have that title, Psalm 22. And so the way that they would identify which Psalm that they were talking about or which passage that they were talking about, you see that this throughout the New Testament, they'll, they'll talk about the passage or where the prophet said, and then they'll quote the passage. They're not giving you chapter and verse because there was none. And so when you when you quoted my god my god why have you forsaken me a person who knew psalm 22 would know that's what he's this is what he's doing that's what he's talking about a person who had psalm 22 memorized would at that point start going through psalm 22 and in that psalm you have a situation where you've got a man talking about, his, talking about crucify, being crucified from the point of view of somebody on the cross. And he's talking about the things that people are saying around him. Um, he's talking about the suffering that he's going through. And it's all a prophecy about the death of the Messiah 500 years before crucifixion was even invented and 1,000 years before the, the event itself, Jesus going to the cross. Psalm 22, verses 16 through 17 says, for dogs have surrounded me. You know who Jews called dogs? Gentiles, yeah. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. And so again, stuff that's being fulfilled because of the death that Jesus dies. Zechariah twelve ten says, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. If I took you back to Zechariah chapter 12, it's really an interesting thing because when you look at the passage, the one who is speaking this prophecy is the Lord capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's Jehovah that is speaking this passage when he's talking to Zechariah. And so Jehovah is saying here, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. So when did Yahweh get pierced? And again, it's at the cross. This is another one of those passages that's flat out calling Jesus God. Then I want you to look at what happens with the pronouns there. They will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Why are we changing pronouns in the the middle of the verse? And so it's first person, then it's second person. What's happening here? And this happens all the time in the Old Testament. You have a number of passages where God himself is speaking and he starts out with me and then he changes the pronouns to him. And what's going on there? And what's going on there is it's the plurality of the Godhead. You know, God is made of three persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is where you get this stuff. You go through the Bible and the Bible says that there's one and only one God. That's what the Bible says, cover to cover, only one God. And then the Bible identifies Yahweh as God, okay? And Yahweh is also called Elohim in the Old Testament. Those are two terms that are used for God. They're they're interchangeable. In fact, God is many times called Yahweh Elohim, the Lord our God, the Lord God, okay? And so that's talking, you know, generally speaking, we go, okay, that is the one God. But then Yahweh talks about Yahweh and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, and then says, you know, then, then identifies them as being the same person. This is out of the book of Isaiah. And so you have this this whole thing where there's like a, a plurality going on there. When when you see God make mankind, God says, Let us make man in our image. Well, who's he talking to? You know, I mean, is he looking in the mirror and going, Let us make man in our image? Who's he talking to? And you see that when the, when the flood is going to take place, or excuse me, when the, when the curse upon Babylon is going to take place.
0: You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kenwick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 730, 915, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.